G'day, g'day, and welcome back to another episode of The Experience. You're here in the HQ. We're coming back live. I've got a great guest today. I'm pumped for this one because this is a genuine intrigue of mine, something I want to learn a heap more about, and I want to dive into the growth of this man's business and brand, who he is as a person, what motivates him to continue pushing, getting bigger, and growing this brand to something really exciting, and I can see it taking shape. So ladies and gentlemen, from your home, your car, or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the one, the only, Mitch Wright from Colossal Culture. How are you, brother? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, Thanks very good. Thanks for having us on today. Mate, my pleasure. I've had the privilege of not knowing you for that long, but first coming across you because of the brand Colossal Culture. I remember a mate of mine done one of the original photo shoots. He was one of the OGs in that shoot and seeing the brand come out. And at the time, it looked like it was very much a fitness apparel brand would that be correct in assuming that's how it began yeah definitely so initially we started off just purely active wear and um went down the scene where you know there was very like high volume um the quality was there but just not to the same extent um so it was more about turnover and i i really enjoyed it from the start um that's that's where i initially um saw that my passion was in um but the more i grew the more i designed um, yeah, I just, I just found that it wasn't in that area. So we ended up rebranding, um, and redesigning the whole brand to sort of more of that athleisure side where it can be worn like every day, but it can also, um, be worn in the gym, um, yeah. rather than just purely active wear, which is like for performance based, um, yeah. apparel. So bro, you've, I've good. got to commend you on that too, because the rebrand has been sick. Like yeah like, and and I, and I genuinely mean that for me like sitting back and watching it, i think i sent you a message the other week i started to see glimpses of the photo shoots coming out for this new launch and i was like Fuck, he's just taking this to the next level because the content the branding the image of who colossal culture is and what it is and what it stands for is starting to really take shape yeah i i like to be really honest with not only myself but like the people around me and the thing was I brought out those products last year and or like maybe 18 months ago and I um I didn't really like them. I yeah. I'd go to the gym I wouldn't wear them. I'd go and you know I'd go and buy a vintage shirt and wear that to the gym instead or yeah. You know I so for me it was very much like a well if I don't like it and like I'm almost my target audience what am I doing like mm. let's go and reinvent this and um yeah put it to another level and um I got Jack Jack Bennett, which is um, one of my good friends from a, for many years, um, to do our photo shoot, and he used to work with Life Bet Andy, and um, oh yeah, yeah, I've had a few people tell me about Jack before. Yeah, so he's just he's really um, he sort of just like knows what he's doing. Hey, like I had such a big structure around the photo shoot, how I wanted it to be a vision um, with the videography and everything, and we just turned up, and he was just like on it, just straight away, just knew what we wanted, and it was just yeah, it was a breath of fresh air because it was like oh i'm not the only one who can see this like yeah so definitely it was nice. yeah it was really good let's talk about why you started yep. the brand and dive into i guess how old are you now about 21 21 fuck you're still so young man i thought you were my age <laughs> no yeah, you're young as eh? yeah i think the biggest thing for me is just like i've been over lived in europe for a couple of years um come back and you know you sort of have to mature with living by yourself for that long yeah definitely bro it's just uh yeah no like it, it it's been uh it's been a good what start. took you to europe what age were you when you headed over there 
Uh, <laughs> I think I was about 16. Oh, wow. Yeah, really young. Um, so my, so one of my uncles actually lives in Amsterdam. Um, so that was sort of like the base. And because obviously Europe's everything's very close together, you could travel, you know, an hour, two hours mm. to get from country to country. So um, I just sort of traveled and um, obviously had a, like at 16, had support from parents, which was really lucky. And at that age, you sort of like take for granted. And like mm. you look back now and you're like, whoa, like that's a big thing. And, um, but yeah, no, so I, I went over there um, for cycling. I used to be like a road and track cyclist. Um, and I actually ended up getting hit by a car and um, breaking my collarbone, um, which like ended up stopping what I was doing just because like more the mental side for me, um, getting back yeah. on the bike and on the road was, it's just, even today, I'm just like, it's just a, not really a thing. And I think mm. I lost a bit of passion after that. Um, yeah. And for anyone that's listening who like doesn't like cyclists, like, yeah, don't judge that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like it was... Um, yeah, no, like it was, it was good. And I think the whole like athlete side has made me like, you know, sitting in front of, you know, at a desk working with a manufacturer till 3, 4 a.m. isn't really an issue for me, like on a Saturday night, um, yeah. rather than going out, you know, and partying all the time. So I, yeah, like I have such a big passion in this and yeah, I really want to take it somewhere. So yeah. let's talk about the cycling because you're playing it down a little bit here, but I know some of your credentials, like you've done some cool stuff whilst in that sport yeah so i um i traveled over to bahamas to race in the youth com games um when i was i think i was probably 17 18 then um i also went to norway for the world championships so it was like a really good um sort of time in my life i think like and i think everyone does that sort of sport when they're younger and the thing for me was i knew that I either need to be a hundred percent in it and push to do that, you know, like training more anywhere from five to seven hours every day. Like, um, you know, go out and do a, you know, might do a five hour ride, come back, do gym. And then everything was just based around that. And, you know, if you're not actually training, you're like working out ways to recover better. Like whether, like when I was with the, um, AIS, um, Australian Institute of Sport, we, it was just always just everything about that was, revolved around what was a way to get better yeah. and I think now that I look back on that um yeah like it, it was a good time it was just very much like a time where I realized that I prefer to put my energy into something else that I really loved and had a passion for and um yeah I've been lucky to be able to do that I guess so is your passion say is it business or is it clothing and fashion because I think it, it could be either right yeah, so I think the whole business side of things, I've always just understood. Um, my dad owns his own um, business, Money Quest Wollongong. He's a legend, by the way. <laughs> I run past him every morning, never knew it was your old man until I sat down with your sister to talk yeah. about podcasting. And your family's a bunch of legends, man. Like, yeah. just, yeah, run past your old boy pretty much every morning, and he's always having a trot with his mates, always says g'day, and... Even without knowing who he was, like, it's always that little, you know, that runner's acknowledgement, that little head yeah, nod, yeah. little g'day, but... I don't know how you guys run, but he's, <laughs> he's, um, yeah, no, I think, like, with that, he's just always been, like, morally and ethically, like, he's just always about other people, and that's something that I've always wanted to take into the business, and that's actually some of the reason behind the brand's name, like, Colossal Culture, like, we want to bring that big culture, and environment together so we're all like working in and um 
Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so it was very much a thing for us that, you know, I bounced ideas off him and that, to be honest, at the start, I just sort of went, oh, like, I'm not going to use him. Like, I'm not going to bring anything in like that. But at the end of the day, like, he has so much knowledge from, you know, 30, 40 years of business that it's, you know, it'd be silly not to um, yeah, definitely. bounce ideas and that off him. So, yeah, like, he's been, uh, yeah, been really good for me. So when you start, obviously, coming up with the idea, okay, look, I want to dive into business, why fashion, why clothing? Is it something that you've always enjoyed? Yeah, I think so. I The biggest thing for me was when I was actually back riding, like, I was so big on, you know, because we're training four to six hours a day, you want to be comfortable, you have to be, you know, in the right type of fabric material. So I was I already understood that and already understood, like, what makes up a good, you know, garment, what makes up... Um, well, so important to, right yeah so for me it was very much like because especially going from the Australian summer to going over to Europe where you know it can literally be snowing you're like okay well what am I going to wear to you know really suit those environments so for me I was like well I'm targeting Australia at the moment and I don't have to worry about the snow as such per se but for me now it's more about like how can I do things differently with that type of fabric um, and those materials as well as designs to yeah bring a bring out apparel that's you know different but also appealing to the yeah yeah talk me through the processes because I follow a heap of people I kind of like fashion and clothing I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say I spend a lot of money on it or I invest a lot of money in it but I think looking good is like it's part of feeling good and feeling confident and Whilst for me that used to be blade checked blazers and turtlenecks, nowadays it's pretty cozy, sort of more comfortable casual wear because of what I get to do, and I, I dig that and I love that and I love looking into it and following people who are in that space. And one of the things that fascinates me is the design process because I like to think I'm a creative brain, so I like to see the other way that people work their stuff out. Yeah. Do you have like say a structure where you come up to, okay, we're going to do a drop in this month, we need to start designing now, we need to start looking, and what does that timeline look like? Well, so for instance, we released um, new products two days ago, and I started designing our pieces for our next line, um, probably four or five months ago. Yeah, wow. Um, so we've already sampled it, it's already sitting there, ready to go. It's, I just need to give it, them the go ahead. So I'm yeah. very, very much perfectionist, and every little thing needs to be right. So I give myself that time so that if that sample comes in and it's not correct, or there's something I'm just like, no, that's just not working. Like you never know, like a color could look completely different from your manufacturer to actually in real life. So for me, it was very much like, all right, let's get this going early and get this all sampled and then, um, yeah, go from there. So it's definitely um, an area that, I really enjoy the design part. And I think that that whole streetwear is actually just as fashionable as wearing the turtlenecks and wearing the checkered things. And 100%. You can, you can bring them together as well, which is really, really cool. And I've really enjoyed being able to be like, we'll make products that are like, oh, well, I could wear this literally to the gym, but I could also wear this on a night out. Yeah, I, I dig cool. that. Yeah. I dig that. Yeah. Talk to me about the inspiration for your design. And I guess if you had to... If you had to, in a couple of words or a sentence, sum up maybe the, the design or the brand 
of Colossal Culture. Is there a way you think you could sum that up in a few words or a sentence? And where does that inspiration come from? If I had to describe it, I'd say it's just luxury sportswear. Yeah, I like that. Luxury sportswear. So I just very much thought, you know, it's not the high, high end we're pricing it at, but it's also not volume that we're doing. Yeah. Um, because we want to make these pieces prestigious. We want to make them exclusive. So if you wear it, you're like, oh, mm. damn, like this is this is cool. You know, you're not rocking around in the same gear as everyone. Oh, exactly. And that's what did my head in about the whole active wear side when I was doing it. I was like, why would there be hundred, like, especially because I was in Wollongong at the time and I was just branding to Wollongong and marketing to Wollongong. So I was very much like, why would a hundred people or 200 people say, want to wear the same shirt here in Wollongong? Yeah. They wouldn't. They wouldn't, yeah. So the thing for me at that stage was, what are we doing that volume for? Let's break, bring that back. Let's bring out designs that aren't too like in your face at the moment, um, but they're, you know, different to what, than what people are doing. And um, yeah, and then go from there. Even like the shirt I'm wearing now, there's like a authentic logo on here. And we want to keep that going. But yeah. there's also numbers, and I was going to keep this to myself, but I'll keep it exclusive to your podcast. The experienced <laughs> listeners, you're getting an exclusive here. So all our pieces now, what we're doing with them is every, so the actual numbers are people's birthdays. And then oh, wow. CC at the end. So what it is, is I really like to give back to the people that have helped me and the people that are working in with me. And I thought an easy way to do that would be to um, anyone that designs pieces or is included in the pieces, put their birthday on there. And that's cool. So it feels like, oh, it's a bit of theirs as well as, you know, the brands. And that was just something that I was like, you know what, like, the business isn't like I like if people go oh like you keep saying we keep saying we and I'm like yeah we because it's not just me as much as like I own the brand solely in that it's there's <laughs> there's so many people behind the scenes that yeah. make such a big difference that people don't even see or realize and you just can't like I find it very hard to give back to that yeah that and bro that that takes a level of humility too to be able to say that and not put it all on your shoulders and you know, fucking hold that up in the air and say, hey, this is me, this is just me. I think I've seen a lot of people, to be honest, start businesses like this as an ego or prestige thing. And yeah. for me, it's just literally a love of what I do and the love of the whole fashion side. So, And you can see it because so. of the way that you're progressing, which is so exciting. It's one of the reasons that I, I'm starting to really love your brand and love the stuff that you put out. Can I ask, your time in Europe, so you're in Europe for a couple of years, you said? Yeah, yeah. Europe's obviously, it's a fashion hub and there's so much going on there. And I listen to people who talk about taking those buying trips and going to other countries, going to different states and being in their scene and, and picking up pieces that they'll come home and redesign off. Did you take a lot of inspiration from Europe's maybe luxury athleisure scene? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think to some extent it was started as just general streetwear um, that I took sort of, a bit of like I really like the vintage side of things as well like yeah so over there they <coughs> had a bit of so I tried like especially at the start I was look, looking around a mix of all right I like the style and cut of this shirt and I also like this vintage style so it was like really mixing things together and hmm. I think it just gave me um, a bit more of an insight into what I like to make and at the end of the day like 
the brand, yes, it needs to hit a certain target and everything, but um, if it's not the product that I like, it's changing the whole brand's identity. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. big time. Big time. For you, what's that feeling like of seeing someone rock around in something you've created when you know it's it's authentic and it's what you love, what you love to wear? It's, yeah, no, it's insane. Like, I was in Sydney. I was actually, so I'm living up in the Sunshine Coast at the moment. Yeah, I was going to say, mate, looking a bit golden, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's funny, it's been raining out there, so it's just, everyone's insane. You're looking tan, but, no. Uh, just lucky. <laughs> Bro, it's been the same here, though, so. Yeah. Um, but, no, so up there, I just... I was walking down at Moolabar Beach, just casually grabbing my coffee, going for a swim. And somebody started rolling around in our shirt and I was like, who's that? Had no idea, still don't know to today. And I think it was like probably the best feeling that I've had so far because I like, as much as I love Wollongong and love, you know, everything about it, it's also a thing of, I need, like I've I've always wanted to get out of here. Yeah. In terms of like the products and everything, it's very easy to, you know, be seen in, in this sort of like demographic. But I think like, I'd, you know, like the more I can see it outside, it's, it's cool as well. I got a message off some girl in Brazil that wanted to buy from us last that's night. That's so cool. Just little things like that. You're just like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's hard. Right, I, had a, I had a guy from, I think I mentioned it on one of the pods last week, a guy from Germany reach out. He was yeah, like, wow. hey mate, I listened to the experience. Um, any advice for, <clears throat> excuse me, any advice for a podcaster like, starting their their show and i was like how cool is that like someone in germany can actually firstly understand my (laughs) bogan aussie slang but secondly we'll sit through and listen to he's like i've listened to nearly every one of the 76 episodes and i'm like that's insane like that's so cool and and that's such a special feeling i actually had a guy who was so kind of him on monday night i was with my mate jared and we were sitting down for a bit of dinner and he come up to me and was just like, hey, mate, I just want to say you're a fucking inspiration and I love what you're doing. And I was like, what a fucking nice dude. Like, it's it's so nice to get, whilst you don't want to, I guess, put too much hype behind those comments and let it get to your head because then you start to value the opinion of others too much. It's never a bad thing or a terrible feeling to get some nice recognition for the hard work that you put in. To know yeah. that people are seeing your message, your brand, and getting something really positive out of it. And I can imagine it's probably even more powerful when you could walk past that person in the street and they might not necessarily go, that dude is colossal culture because you've built a brand as opposed to a persona. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I've always said that I'm not one to, sorry, I'm not one to um, want to be seen as like the face of it or anything like that. Yeah. I've just wanted to create something that's special to everyone. And whether it's, you know, you know, a uh, eighteen year old, you know, guy wearing it like before he goes and gets on the footy mat like footy field or whether it's a, you know, forty, fifty year old mum wearing it for a casual coffee date, like yeah. It's something for me that just walking past me and able to see that would be like, yeah, really, really cool. It's cool, uh, and I think it for a lot of people maybe sitting at home listening to this, driving to work, whatever you're doing keep doing it keep listening um i think there's probably a little bit of a misconception that the minute you start selling products it's similar to this i spoke about it with the boys on fire in the booth last night you know people think because i've got a podcast i'm rolling in cash definitely not the case that is the biggest misconception ever like when you start anything whether it be small business platform show there's a period of real struggle where 
it's building foundations, it's building stability and growing an audience or growing a customer base. Do you feel like there's a misconception that the minute you walk into close, there's heaps of money? Is that why everyone's trying to start a business? Yeah, I think that's why it's so saturated. I think people are very much under that like, misconception that, you know, they see this product and especially if you get a manufacturer in, say, China, you're very much like, oh, I can make that $5 and sell it for 50 Like, that's not how it works. You, yeah. You know, there's... Well, by the time you pay marketing, shipping, uh, everything, everything, right? You know, you're paying for... If you do a well-structured photo shoot, you know, that's five, ten thousand $10,000 there. You know, you're bringing in products itself is actually very hard because you need to put that deposit down, like, with the manufacturer straight away. And that could be, you know, tens, twenties, thousands of dollars. And Mm. once you do that, you have to wait however long. So it those products come in, you do your photo shoot, you do like, and I'm saying a photo shoot, you might have to wait for a model or something for weeks. And yeah. that's, we were, we're lucky that, you know, I've, I've made contacts in that area because I've found it's very beneficial to us and I think that's how we've stepped it up ourselves. Yeah. But, you know, on that first line, when I used friends and that, that, that cut down a bit of time. Um, but yeah, like, Putting that money down is just, it's not, it's not something where there's just like instant money. And and I get comments all the time, like you'll release something, it'll be like an hour later and they're like, oh, you sold out, yeah? And it's like, probably could be, but like, you know, that's not actually how the industry works. Like if you sell, if you're selling 200 shirts, say, it's, there needs to be 200 people to buy that. And if it's a Tuesday night and people are getting home, they want to eat dinner, they want to go to bed. You know, and that's yeah. where the whole marketing side is when you release stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, for instance, even us, we decided. So there's two trains of thoughts that we noticed. So we released on the 30th, and we were like, people can think of it as, all right, I'm at the end of the month. Let's treat myself. You know, I've worked hard. Yeah. Or if they wait a couple of days, it's the start of the month, and oh, all right, well, I want something new. I want to feel good this month. I want to get yeah. into the gym. I want to. So for us, it was very much like, all right, that's when we're going to do it. And it, it worked with our engagement. And, um, but not everything's going to work. Um, yeah, well, that's the thing. It's a bit sort of you got to throw something at the wall and see what sticks, right? Yeah, and especially as a new business, it's very much about like just doing what you think is going to work and working, like, and working around that and also looking, obviously, at trends and things that have yeah. happened in the past. It's not just, you know, you have to do your research as well. Um, but I, like I said, I'm like very lucky that I've worked extremely hard to build a team that can help me with that as well, because I'm yeah. not going to be an expert at, like, I'm pretty much like a triathlete or like a crossfitter in terms of that. Good analogy. Know, yeah. I'm not like good at like really, really good at something, but I'm like good across yeah. all things or getting people that can do that. Bit of a jack of all trades. Yeah. Hey? <laughs> Exactly. Talk to me about the process of, you know, we spoke about before, like a little bit before on camera samples and like getting that sort of stuff in. So you design something, you make contact with manufacturers, you've got a plan to have X amount of stock coming in. Before that stock comes in, you're obviously getting your samples. How does that work? Is that something where the manufacturer will send you samples and you have a look, look at those colors, look at the fabric, the way it sits on the way it looks and then you go back and confirm an order is that how that process works yeah so obviously it starts with an idea that's the biggest thing and starts with what product you want to actually make um which is sometimes the hardest part Being yeah like all right like we've done this but we, we can only make now? so much right and in a 
in an industry where it's very saturated, you want to try and come up with something different, but a lot yeah. of the stuff's been done and it's about doing it differently. That's the biggest yeah. thing. So, um, yeah, so it starts with sort of the idea, then you get into working with designers. Got a couple of designers that are over in um, the UK at the moment. Yeah, um, epic. And I've got another one in Sydney. So, um, the yeah, so, and then from there we get swatches sent over. So I work out what fabric um, I want to bring in, um, what GSM, so the thickness of the fabric we yeah. want to use and things like that. And um, they'll bring the swatches over, which are like little sample pieces, and it shows you the color and the texture and like how thick it is. Yeah. Um, then from there, yeah, we'll just get the samples made and all our tech packs will be done by our designers um, that we send over, which is pretty much all the finer details of what makes up the product. Yeah, um, stitching, exactly. drawstrings. Yeah, logo, like logo placement also. Yeah. Like, so everything. And then the samples will come over. Because I'm a perfectionist, we haven't really had to change too much because yeah. I sit on it so long that I'm just like, oh, usually it comes in it's pretty close to spot on, which is yeah. I'm like been lucky with. But um, then after the sample, we... If, if it's close enough, we can start doing a couple of photo shoots and things like that. Um, but if it has to be changed, um, like for instance, our basketball shorts last time, we actually had the logo all over um, the back of them. Yeah. And what we noticed was if you wore a shirt and it was like hung low, you couldn't actually see the logo. Yeah. But also that sports mesh material like was very flimsy. And so it sort of just took away and it just looked crinkled. It just didn't look right. So we changed that and little things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you sort of, uh, it's usually three to four weeks for our bulk orders to be made. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we'll get them in and get them all out to customers. And at the moment, it's it's been really good. Um, That's it. Because yeah. that, like, you've got something on that sample today and it looks fucking epic. I was like, where are they from? And he was like, it's ours. And I'm like, yeah, I'm about that. I dig that. Yeah. It's, it's so cool, man. It's such an exciting thing because you literally see an idea transform over time, right? And become something really exciting. Talk to me about your... You spoke before, like you've assembled a really nice team. I guess a two-pointed question here. Do you have a mentor within the business or fashion space that you go back to for these... I guess to clarify that you're on the right track, but also do you have an inspiration or a number of inspirations in the fashion and fitness space that you kind of draw from? Yeah, I think to be honest with you, like you'd be silly to not only look at people in the same space as you, um, you know, companies like P Nation, Earl's Collection, like they're doing some amazing things and, yeah, you know, there's no need to take away from that. Like you both are doing, you know, very similar streetwear sort of style and it's cool like you know eventually i hope they're bouncing they're looking at our stuff and getting ideas to do their own things you know bro i don't think it's if if not already very far off at all yeah and like well ho yeah hopefully and um i guess the mentor side of things so um my like step uncle is actually in thought um oh wow so he i sort of just reached out and I, like obviously um, pretty close with him anyway and oh, I, think, I think actually I think your sis maybe told me this because yeah. that's ringing a bell now yeah yeah and he he was just so on board like he's sponsored with Adidas like he's been with them for years and you know yeah. it's, it's pretty cool because like you know I turned up to his place one time and he literally was like I don't know it was like 7am I was like alright I need to like ask questions I need to get things going <laughs> and I rocked up and he's just getting out of bed and 
you know, he's rocking up with these Adidas pajamas. And I'm like, do they even make them? And he's like, yeah, no, nah, not really. And I was like, you know, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, that's sick, yeah. Yeah, so um, he's been a really big mentor for me. Um, and I've been super lucky. He, he doesn't actually, in terms of the whole fashion side, he's not like really hands-on because, you know, he's got his own things going on. And also like, he can't really be with Adidas. Like that's his primary area. Yeah. Um, but we've been lucky he was um he lives with a designer and um yeah that designer helped us out a, a lot like insane amount and that's so good it was very much like a thing of they they pretty much like helped me identify what i was trying to do yeah in terms of the whole rebrand and the vision i had it there i just needed yeah. to be like pushed and shown like all right this is the idea and it was literally just took them to show me like you know a bit of fashion from overseas looking yeah. at big celebrities things like that for me to be like that's what i've been trying to do you and know who seems pretty prevalent in the overseas market and he's quite expensive over in the u.s daniel patrick oh daniel patrick, he's an yeah. aussie dude too isn't he oh, yeah, i think so yeah i've i've had a look at a fair bit of his stuff i haven't actually gone to his um his products to like get any visions or anything but i have yeah. i really do like his his things like it's just um well he done a collab with james harden which is pretty sick <laughs> yeah wow yeah, yeah that, like that's it. the sort of thing that I definitely look into. Yeah. Like, it's like a collaboration with somebody like that um, would be insane. Insane, right? Yeah. Like, insane. It's not even a thing of like wanting to, you know, you, I'd pay them to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's, it's cool. credibility, isn't it? Yeah. And it's also just imagine put, like being able to be like, oh, yeah, you know, like this, this person, for instance, like, you know, they're, um, they're wearing our gear that we've made it products for them that they like and yeah, that, that was the biggest thing with our influences from even this line they came back and i was very big on well you guys are the first people to see this and wear it so i want proper feedback i don't want yeah you know not the old um blase lovey-dovey feedback <laughs> oh, that yeah, makes you feel this. good really, yeah, yeah no it doesn't fly for shelves eh mm -mm. Talk to me about, obviously we've spoken heaps about the vision, branding, or design. I want to dive into branding and marketing because you can't sell a secret. And as good as your product is, if no one knows about it, it just doesn't sell right. So how much of the business is organic in terms of its social growth and the content you put out? But how much do you also look at like your influencer marketing, your paid ads? Is there a real diversity or a mix in this? Yeah, so we spent a lot like that was one of the big thing areas that I looked at after the first line because um, yeah. we didn't really do much, too much of it that was also to do with the budget things like that as well yeah um, and there are some influencers out there who you know they're asking for 10 you know 10 15 20 thousand dollars for a post or yeah you know even more like it depending on how big they are but so it's for us it's very uh, important that we're using not only influencers that are in line with our brand image yeah um, but also are doing it for the right reasons can i ask a quick question on that and interject there how do you know that an influencer let's say for example person x has so many followers on instagram following can sometimes glorify the actual reach or engagement they have right yeah so how do you pick people that say have the right engagement to make sure that product in a picture is going to translate to actual you know, people coming across to your website, to your socials? Yeah, so for us, it was very big that we reached out to a fair few influencers and um, their managers more so. And um, that was 
more to see how their engagement was because there was a, a there's actually a couple that had like 100 200,000 followers who had like I don't know 500 likes on their posts and like yeah. one comment and for us that engagement is obviously crucial and mm. if there's being that if, if the money's being thrown at that to you know get a result that's obviously really important um so the girl like antonia that we use she for instance has only had instagram for nine months uh she was our main influencer and she like i think she got ten thousand likes or eleven thousand likes on the first day that she put out yeah um, wow post up, which was like, really she obviously looked amazing but yeah good engagement yeah real engagement it's so important and in terms of your marketing and your branding you see you know i've, I've followed guys like the yktr crew who are doing some pretty cool stuff here in australia and they're, they're great at creating brand and story yeah. how much of that are you sort of diving into do you are you looking to create i guess a story behind colossal culture and market the story as well as the product or is that something that for you is not your cup of tea no definitely like eventually i'd love to build on actually uh including people like the obviously like i said with the brand name like getting a culture together where people so it might literally be like just oh, i've got so many different ideas thrown around and yeah i just you know sort of want to keep them in my back pocket but yeah i think that yeah, don't give away any exclusives yeah yeah but the engagement side with other people is obviously really important and um i would love eventually to um have a podcast i might get you on yeah well. epic, bro. Epic. <laughs> no, i, th- I honestly yeah. think i okay i say this with a grain of salt so don't don't do what i did and leave your job to start a podcast if you're not really passionate about it but because it is it is very fucking hard to build an audience and to monetize it and do all those sort of things but i think in someone like your position or you know or if you're very passionate about it and you want to story tell i think it's a huge asset it's literally an opportunity for you to create long-form content tell a story <clears throat> build a brand whether it be personally or for your products that you sell and allow people to become attached to that i'm still blown by the fact that i can get incredible guests in here who have got like i've had people who have got 500k followers yeah. and like insane followings on the show yeah. but then still sometimes like i put out an episode where it's just me talking shit for 20 minutes about what's happening in my life and just being honest and vulnerable real, and hey. i'll i'll get more listens on those episodes which blows my mind yeah but people start to invest in your story when they start to get to know you and so yeah. i think for someone like you in, like insane opportunity yeah and i would like, listen yeah because like, i'm interested in what you're doing yeah exactly and i think that like there's not actually that many people in the industry that are talking about like or like one of the big things i'd love to help people we made so many mistakes at start i think i blew yeah. like 15 20 thousand dollars on you trying to use an australian manufacturer at start yeah and literally by blew it i mean like we st- had the whole startup cost the whole process and didn't do one bulk order yeah so there's no turnaround so it was yeah that was a big eye opener for me but that was also like one thing that i know that i'll never make that mistake again do you i reckon you've got to make those mistakes right 100%. to appreciate the value of a dollar yeah. in business yeah like for me I, I can definitely look back and go i've made there's, there's so many things that I wish I knew. And like, I get a lot of people who I sit face to face with for a coffee or do a phone call or a Zoom call with who want to start a podcast and they're either from the area or they've listened to the show. And there's so many things I just wish I knew from the beginning. Yeah. 
Like if you launch with three or more episodes, it does better in the algorithm. Yeah. If you get more ratings and reviews in the first 12 weeks on Apple Podcasts, good chance you get pushed in new and noteworthy on the browse page. All those things where it's like, if you know that, yeah. massive leg up at the beginning. I, I just so. didn't. Yeah. Maybe that's my fault for not researching enough. But I didn't start for this to be an incredible business venture. I started because I love telling stories. But that's where as well you can use that as something to mentor others. A hundred percent. And um, yeah, like even going back to that point where you were saying that you left your job to start this and everything. Like I was working in um, finance. I was doing mortgage broking as well. Yeah. And um, you know... You, like the big I'm, I'm massive on doing things that you love and I'm, I think I'm lucky as well though I'm, I am young like it's not yeah. as easy if you have a mortgage things like that but for me it was very much of I'm okay I'm sitting here 10 12 hour days you know every day and coming in on weekends and I'm not against that like I'm working probably just as hard right now but it wasn't on something I loved yeah and it's different isn't it yeah and i'm very big on like if you do something you have to love it because even in terms of mortgage breaking you have to be so connected with the client and the people and that's what i want to get to now with the clothing i want to build more of a connection with the clients not just oh here's a product buy it yeah that's not like even in terms of how we try and talk to people on social media there's like two trains of thought so there's like that whole vogue side where you like talk down to people you're saying like buy this product it's good like you're telling them or you're like a cosmo side where you're literally saying to them like oh like it's almost like a best friend like oh i really like this product you know these are the reasons why and yeah. oh, if you'd like to like get online and you know get yeah. it buy for yourself so yeah is that is that more your vibe definitely the cosmo side like and i, I never want to change that doesn't matter how big we get we're like we want to be we want to connect with people. That's the biggest thing mm. for us. We like, I really like, and if somebody says to me, oh, I, you know, don't like this about the product. I'm like, I'll love that feedback more than if they said like, oh, this, this product's like perfect. I don't, I wouldn't change anything. Obviously at the end of the day, you want to get to that point. Yeah. If it is perfect, then cool. Here's the thing, right? My favorite, probably one of my favorite videos i've ever watched within the fashion space is do you know uber butler from vice yeah, the yeah. reporter yeah, yeah have you no. seen his video where he done the giorgio paviani no, paris fashion week thing so he if you haven't watched it highly advise like you just go to youtube and search um uber butler which is double o-b-a-h butler um and it's paris fashion week how he conned his way into paris fashion week <laughs> so he we went to the markets in somewhere around london wherever he's from he found like, you know, they've got all those mock-up brands in the markets yeah. that are like a Louis or a Gucci takeoff. And mm -hmm. there was one brand that wasn't as much of a takeoff, but it was called Giorgio Paviani. So obviously a bit of Armani inspiration yeah, yeah. in there, but it was purely like denim in just heaps of different colors and just really like straight, no distresses, like really plain, simple denim, just huge color ranges. And he's like, I actually quite liked like, the feel of it. It was a good product. Um, you could tell it was a decent quality, even though it was at the market. So he had an idea to like take the brand, own the identity of Giorgio Paviani, because he couldn't find an actual human being that yeah. was that brand or that identity and take it to the Paris Fashion Week. <laughs> so he did, right? So he got, he basically made a website, built a profile. No way. Got a ticket to Paris Fashion Week. It's fucking insane <laughs> when you watch it right. And 
he started to like change these clothes. So he would cut them, distress them, put holes in them, cut sleeves off things, make jeans into shorts. Goes to Paris Fashion Week, starts walking around with the cards, Giorgio Paviani, Giorgio Paviani, giving these cards out, <laughs> building an identity. Then he meets this dude, he's a male model at Paris Fashion Week, and he goes, I'd love to see you in these red jeans. Guy puts them on, comes out, he's rolled the cuffs up, and he's like, I love these. And like, so they start taking photos. He gets invited to all these parties. There's people walking around his brand that weekend. Brand takes off. So he goes, well, I've got a website and now I guess a bit of brand identity. Yeah. I need to find out who actually owns this because <laughs> I feel like I need to give it to him. So he found this guy who was just running like a huge amount of clothing product out of a store near the markets. And he created the brand like, it was over 10 years ago. Um, does a heap of range of colors and it was just good quality denim and but it wasn't super fashionable and so he done a a big photo shoot made it very like new age denim very colorful and basically gave him this website with all this stuff and was like kind of you got this brand now run with it but the thing that was most fascinating to me was you take something that most people would have turned their nose up about at Paris Fashion Week because it was a market product you give it this level of exclusivity with branding and all of a sudden people will pay a fortune for it. And yeah. so the one thing I say to people all the time is what I've learned, especially as I've walked away from steady, stable income to build a show or a platform, if someone's building something and you believe in the ethic and the story behind the brand, support it. Yeah. Because it means far more than a label does. And I feel like we're moving and transitioning into a way of life now in 2021 where the ethic and personality of a business or a brand means more than the label on it. And that's exciting. Yeah, definitely. I like going back on that point, I think it's it's really hard to see sometimes that influencers who have those five hundred thousand plus, they're the ones who like they're the ones that when you start the business, you're like, that's why there's that misconception that it's just straight money. Because yeah. they will bring out a product and they will sell. They will yeah. sell because they've got 500,000 followers. It's that, That's one big thing that I'm also big on though, that just because you have followers doesn't mean you have buyers. It's a big difference. Yeah, definitely. Um, and with those people... Well, it's free to watch, right? Yeah, exactly. It costs money, cost money to bring in a product. Yeah, exactly. And with those guys, they're lucky that they do have that interaction and they have those people that do want to buy things. And all it is after somebody has it, if it's good enough quality, the word of mouth is where it's at. That's yeah. what's going to sell the product. And I'm very confident in our products. And that's why it's, for me, it's like, it w- it'll be a slow growth, but I know that it will slowly get there. And as we bring out more products, that's one of the obviously big things yeah. as well. Um, that's, yeah, that's where I hope to, it keeps growing. So your business at the moment is purely drops and launches, isn't it? So like you'll drop a product, limited amount, mm-hmm. and... Once that sells out, it sells out until you've got product coming next drop. Yeah. So, Is that correct? Yeah, That's yeah. the way that most brands start in this modern age, yeah? Yeah. And I wanted to... So we tried to change it this line and it will change after this. But we released like product, like um, like multiple amount of products. So this line was nine products we dropped at the same time. Yeah. Whereas from here, what I'm thinking about doing is actually dropping individual pieces. Yeah. Um, so that, you know it's not as long between the drops because the more products you bring out, the longer you need between them. Um, yeah, does that keep marketing momentum a little yeah, better for definitely. you? And-, and the content, like, 
you know, you send it out to an influencer, oh, they'll take a couple of photos, send it back, or we've got something to put on our Instagram, or, yeah. you know, even just get our photographers to put it up, or yeah. it doesn't even need to be models. Like, if the, like, that was one thing that I found really, really um, amazing about the whole Gymshark vibe that they have. Yeah. Or that. Culture. Ben Francis and Lewis Morgan done very well with that, didn't they? Yeah. And they literally have people like just general people that will like look at their Instagram and go, oh, right, the, I can see the color palette, color scheme is like, you know, it might be a blue wall. All right, well, I'm going to get some Gymshark here and I'm going to stand in front of a blue wall in hopes that, or I'm going to do a workout in front of a blue wall and post it in hopes that they put that on their social media. Yeah. And I'm like, that's cool. You know, if yeah, they're putting that okay. much effort in, of course we're going to put them up. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's pretty insane. So... Yeah, like that was cool to learn, and I, I think they're a billion dollar company now. You know? Insane, right? Yeah. They're, so you've got like what, the way I see them is you've got like your Nikes, your Adidas, those brands that are absolute paramount of the fitness space and the fitness apparel space, and to a degree, some streetwear. Yeah. And then Gymshark's kind of hot on the heels, but they're not there. They're not billions and billions of dollars worth. They're now a billion dollar company though yeah and i I think that comes back to that whole activewear side where it's seen as you know bodybuilders where um purely active people wear it yeah um rather than just the everyday person Um, yeah you'd be you'd be surprised how many people haven't even heard of jim shark yeah insane yeah insane if you're not in the fitness space you don't know no exactly it's um, i remember their first products coming out and similar to what we've spoken about here with you today like their first products come out and like there were some pieces that I liked, but it was kind of like, it was very like gym bro bodybuilder stuff. Yeah. And like they've really transformed their product and found, I guess, what works for them. Similar to what you're saying you guys have done now. And you can see that your audience appreciates that. Like I've watched your social following grow. Nice little following now. Like starting to get some people behind the brand, which is exciting because it gives you that organic reach immediately as well. Talk to me about your business hopes and plans and your future for both Colossal Culture, but also for Mitch Wright, because I'm like, as someone who's driven to succeed in business and wants to find avenues to succeed and explore and see what you're made of and see what your business potential is, can you see yourself in future pivoting from Colossal Culture into another area of business as well? And what are your plans for the current brand? Yeah, definitely. So at the moment, Obviously, my sights are on um, Colossal, and that's not going to change anytime yeah. soon. Um, and for at the moment, it's really just about growing it for us and bringing out products that I really like and what obviously our audience likes as well. Like that's one big thing that you know, if people message us and say, "I really want you to bring out this product," well, that's obviously going to be taken into consideration. Yeah. Um, and. So yeah, from there, I'd obviously like to grow the brand as much as I can. And it, it's not something that I want to keep on a small scale, if yeah. I'm being honest. And, um, but it's also not something that I do, I don't want to keep it on a small scale in terms of the monetary wise. It's more yeah. just the whole thing of, I want to make this like an everyday, you know, yeah. that everyone knows about. And um, I think that there's definitely potential there with some of the ideas that we've got coming yep. out. and. Um, from there, I would love to eventually, um, 
obviously have that keep up and running with a bigger bigger team you know have our own office mm. things like that you've obviously i've obviously got big goals and dreams for that yeah. like see the ykatr boys like you're talking about before like their office just looks insane right such a vibe eh? yeah. such a vibe and you can feel the energy between those boys obviously i've spent time with i had when i had ice on the show he was over zoom but i've spent time with simi and scope at their house and you can see like the vibe between those guys and how much energy there is there, but also the opportunity where, you know, if you work hard and you're dedicated to your craft, there's an opportunity there within that, within that brand to, to grow, to glow yeah. and to be a part of something that's, that's pretty cool and special in its early stages as it grows and matures. And I can see that with you, man. Yeah. And that, that's why I, I like involving people because yeah. It does grow that vibe and as well as that, I could look at something and be like, oh, I love that. And then other people would be like, oh, no. And so you sort of like work, bounce ideas. Mm. And like, I think that's really important. Um, and those guys, I'm sure they do the same. Like, yeah. you know, all of them would get together and, oh, man, like, I love that. Don't like that. You like to see yeah. them. Like, there's, like oh, they, I love their, their clothes. Like, I think they're awesome. They've done a very good job with their content, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's very specialized towards their area and their their target audience and yeah, that's one so. thing I feel like they really understand. They really understand yeah. their target audience and not really too fussed with anyone else. No. Who's your target audience? For us, it's generally the everyday sort of person. I mean, it doesn't need to be like a bodybuilder. It doesn't also need to be, you know, um, just a person that goes to work every day. But see, like for them, it would be, you know, I'd assume it's like that whole footy scene. Yeah. Um, and, that's smart they've got like Corey Norman there as well and yeah um, for us I think it's very much an area that we will grow and we will like develop that specific target audience yeah um, and I don't really like to narrow it at such a like people ask that a lot and it's not something that I want to narrow obviously we like we know where we're trying to take that and what audience we're yeah. trying to take that but I don't like to narrow it down um, to a single person or to a single um, age or demographic no because I feel like our stuff doesn't need to be like that like I'm not bringing our product like especially this last line that we did they're very neutral colors very um, base like basic design so it doesn't it's not too out there it's nothing yeah. like that and I definitely know that I want to keep it between that you know 16 16 to 18 year olds up to like the 35 yeah um, and we want to keep the price range. Like someone like P Nation um, yeah. is a really big influence on myself. Like I, I really like their um, their sort of scene that they do and how yeah. they've taken things. And um, I just think that they're a bit older. Like their their demographics a little bit older at the moment. Yeah. And I think we're very similar to them, just on the younger sort of side. Can I say with P Nation, right? So obviously Pip Edwards, genius. Never heard of her, never heard of the brand until she went on Isaac John's podcast. <laughs> Listened to it, thought great app, really cool business brain on that chick and seems like she's a bit of a vibe too. And then I swear to God, it's something like something with branding. This is the power of branding. Not even seeing her product, just hearing her talk about P&H and P&H and P&H. I reckon every week without fail since listening to that episode... I see more and more chicks walking around in P&H and gear. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a power of branding. It is. Never recognize it. I guarantee they all walked past me before. 
But now, just knowing what that brand is, knowing who she is and what she stands for, that pops when I see it walk past on a garment now. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy the way branding works. Yeah, it is. And that's the big thing that we've noticed that there are brands like, for instance, Zara, who are very influential um, in terms of actually how the products are styled and made. They yeah. don't really have branding. They don't have a logo on their stuff that says Zara on it generally. Yeah. It's very, you know, so unless you know that brand or if mm. you've seen it on that site, you wouldn't really notice it. And we noticed that on our first products that we did, I sort of went against like, which is like, you know, what I, the reason I didn't like our products at the very, like on our first line, we, we went against like everything I sort of was taught and, you know, had logo on the front of the chest, had it piping all the way down the arms. We had another logo on the back and oh, yeah. it's good for the brand identity. It's too much. People don't want to be like, yeah. oh, like they want to be, oh, it's okay if it's here or there, but yeah, not all over everywhere, you know? Well, it's funny you say that, right? Because I'm, I'm going to drop merch soon for the podcast. Yeah. And obviously like, it's just a bit of branding. And my thing was, okay, I'm not a clothing label. It's not what I'm aspiring to be, but if I'm going to drop merch... What would make me wear merch? Yeah. Well, there's plenty of people I love, and I love listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. Wouldn't walk around with Joe Rogan's name on my shirt, though. Yeah, exactly. You so, know what I mean? So yeah. I'm like, why would someone walk around with my name on their shirt? Because I had a few people say, nah, just like put your name on own it. And I'm like, nah. Because no one's going to yeah, wear that's it. That's true, yeah. I'm like, yeah. no one's going to wear it. The branding's got to be subtle. That's why I rebranded from the Bradley J. Driver experience to the experience, experience. with Bradley J. Driver. And the only reason my name stayed in there is because if you search the experience on podcast platforms or apps, you know, a whole heap of shows are going to pop up. So it's a way for people to find it a little easier. Yeah. But with a rebrand, it allows me to put the experience on a shirt with a little tagline underneath or a little quote. And that is more subtle branding that eventually people see it enough. I'll go, the experience, what's that? Or like this first drop is just going to be the mum's the word drop, which is just like the experience in quotations, great podcast, handsome host, dash mum. And it's just like, for me, it's not like, it's not too like in your face, like this is a podcast or it's merchandise, but that little review with podcast in it tells you exactly what it is. Yeah, It's a little bit lighthearted, but it's also subtle enough that you would wear it to a cafe to have a coffee or you maybe throw a denim jacket over the top of it when you're out having a beer with your mates or you're out having a feed. Because I'm like, if people don't, and people go, oh, but does it need to be that good? Well, if you want it to be branding, it has to yeah, be, right? Exactly. Because there's no use in just putting out a subpar product, even though it's only merch. If people aren't going to wear it, it's not branding. No, exactly, yeah. No, so I'm sure. like, and I want to be able to wear it. Yeah. Like, I want to go to a cafe and wear it. And it not be like, oh, fuck, this knob's just wearing his own kit. Yeah. But like, imagine like, if I was walking around with my name on my chest. Yeah. It's even like that review you were saying, like, that just adds a bit of humor as well. Like, it people does. look and they're like, oh, that's good. And we did the same with on our social media. Like, we literally went, oh, like, where would you wear these shorts? Because, like, obviously, we're trying to, we, when we're rebranding, we're trying to show people, like, it's not just for the gym. We're trying mm. to really address that. But we're trying to do it in a humorous way. And, when we did it, like people were saying, like, oh, Lord Bowles, you know, yeah. like I'd wear in bed, like sleeping, stuff like, like yeah, just things like that. And it was like funny. So, we, like, I got my like graphic designers to like edit them on like this old guy, like wearing them Lord Bowles. That's like, sick. it was just like that's little sick. things like that. It was just like, yeah, like people will connect with that, you know, and that's that's where I want to go down more. Like, it doesn't need to be 
it's not finance it's not business you don't need to be fully yeah. serious you know have a bit of yeah. fun with it as well well you know what and i think in today's world too i think so much is stepping away from just having to be professional all the time in my last year of real estate i never wore a suit no. i was always in like jeans a t-shirt and like my bosses, shout out to the boys for just putting up with me because sometimes they'd be like, fuck, you're towing the line now, bro, when I walked in in white sneakers and like shorts. But I think for people, they just want personality. And personality is professionalism now yeah, and authenticity. Looking, yeah, exactly. exactly. You're not like, I think people feel like a bit like you're looking down on them if you are rocking up in a suit and they're just wearing thongs and a pair of bodies, yeah. you know, like, so... Yeah, it's not always a bad thing to be that. And that's the same thing with the whole, like, tattoos and yeah. piercings and stuff. Like, I, you know, there's obviously a line, but yeah, it's even in that sort of industry, like, you can sort of start to get away with things more now. Yeah. It's, it's What's like, the line with tattoos, you reckon, is it face? Yeah, face. <laughs> I don't know. Because like, I feel like... on people, hey. It's funny, like, I feel like for me... Like, I love tattoos, and by now I would have had more if I had finance. If I had disposable income, I would have had more. And it's and it's the same thing with, like, for me, same thing as I said before, I like fashion. Right now I just don't have disposable income until I make some smarter moves. Where I'm like, with tattoos, like, I've got a full arm, so you're going to see it unless I'm wearing long sleeves. I would 100% get the back of my neck done. I don't know about the front of my neck, though. Yeah. Um, and if it was, it'd be smaller pieces. I definitely wouldn't touch my face. I feel like for me, face is the border, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like if it was my face and, you know, I've got a face only a mother could love anyways, but <laughs> I feel like I'd never hear the end of it. And I don't feel like, I feel like that's the one where you like, you want to be able to at least like, if you wear a suit, I reckon, it's kind of my thing. Like if I'm in a tux, yeah. like I look clean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't know, like everyone's sort of different and I like, you never sort of, I think at, nowadays like you can't like you know you just can't expect what people like a hundred percent or anything like for some people it's just purely art like mine is 100 percent. like yeah um, on my forearm like but you know um especially the last piece that i did that was pretty much yeah. like what's the last piece uh this one here oh that's sick who done that uh i got a guy up at um bondi Inc. to do it yeah that's bro so, that's an epic little piece how'd you yeah. come up with that well so like or like there was heaps of meaning behind it I just like I literally just I don't know like obviously with tattoos you like are like oh it's gonna be on me forever so you want to nail yeah. it you know but I saw like a rough design and then I just sort of like played around with it and then like we added like every dot there is pretty much like a Australian championship that I won when I was riding oh sick so That's like a cool. little thing like that and then like um yeah, there was just there was a lot of other things in terms of like the yeah. whole spatial awareness and like yeah. mentality side, but yeah, like it was cool for me because like it's not too in your face, it's not too obvious, but it's you know. bro, it's a process when you're getting them designed. Eh? Like all yeah. of mine have mean, meaning, and all of mine at the moment are statues or words. Yeah, cool. And for me, I like the statues. So I'm I love I'm a real character like because I'm a you know call myself a storyteller. I'd like to think yeah. that everyone else thinks I am too, but because I love story and I love characters. I've, I've thought about getting like portraits done. Yeah. The thing with portraits that scares me is like, imagine if you're a mad Bill Cosby fan back in the day. <laughs> you had a Bill Cosby tattoo on your car. Like, fuck, that didn't yeah, age probably well. probably don't do that, eh? Yeah, that didn't <laughs> age well, eh? Like, that's the thing that scares me with portraits is I'm like, man, you got to be like yeah, confident in who you're picking because 
man, reputa- reputations can be tarnished pretty quickly these days. So this is laser removal. Yeah, hundred percent. And hey, if you're listening, you got a Bill Cosby tattoo. If I can book that shit in right <laughs> you now, get it right now. Right. <laughs> I reckon someone to do it for free for you. But my yeah. next one, I reckon, is um, Statue of Moses. Oh, yeah. It's like the sitting statue. And I'm not super religious. Like, I've spoken about it before on the podcast. I've got some religious rituals I do. Like, I, I pray before bed every night, like, just for my family. It's just yeah. something I can't go to sleep unless I do. Yeah, that's good. But a lot of my statues are quite religious I, because I think that's just what they are. Like, a lot of them symbolize something in religion. But I like the Statue of Moses because it's just a symbol of a leader. Yeah. And for me, like, I'm like, I feel like that's an opportunity that I have to lead with my story and, like, share my experiences that hopefully help others. I think eventually, like, you know, as you more grow, like, well, even, like, how you helped out my sister when, like, she's going to start a podcast as well, so she reached out. And, like, that's something that I'm, like, sure aspires to you and also aspires to me to be able to, like, you know, use your own, like, knowledge and experience to help others, you know? Like, that's always going to be a big thing. Like, you know, I... I've spent a couple of years, obviously, like I said before, little mistakes you make along the way that yeah. aren't really mistakes. They're just learning curves. And, you know, it's very easy to um, say, you know, that it's a mistake and oh, like, yeah. I regret that. But at the end of the day, you look back and you're like, well, you know, I learned so much from that. Definitely. Um, and when you're not making a mistake, you're a bit like, oh, like, what's, why is this going so well? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Sometimes it's, um, it's a little bit of a mask of what's maybe to come. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And even helping out with people, like, you know, it's important that while you'd, you know, give them a bit of like guidance and structure and make sure they don't make big, big mistakes as well as that, they still need to, you know, find figure some right stuff way. out. So yeah, yeah definitely. I want to finish with a few, I guess, quick fire questions. A little bit of fun, a little bit lighthearted, but also maybe a bit educational. First one being, what's a trend that isn't trending right now that you wish was in the fashion space? Oh, it's a hard one. Um, I don't know. Hey, look, like my whole thing at the moment is vintage, and that thing's going off. Yeah, that vintage style's going off. So. Um, can I say my thing recommendation yeah, yeah. for you male crops <laughs> oh I just saw yous, that no yous, I did see that you know I'm about it it's crop season baby <laughs> yeah. and you know we've been cutting up some shirts and the boys have been getting some crop <laughs> it's pretty bold I get some looks eh? I ran a full half marathon yesterday <laughs> in a crop top and I, I definitely got some looks like there's some people going who is this just odd unit but I really don't care too much I'm a bit of a Bit of a carefree character when it comes to fashion and just. <laughs> what's your, what's your thoughts about uh, like leggings, like without shorts, or with shorts or out shorts for men? Um, oh, I like. I think it's. I think it's sweet. I think it depends what you're wearing it for. I think it depends what you wear it with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like for me personally, like probably wouldn't be a go. Maybe because I don't reckon my abs are tight enough to get away <laughs> with it. Um, but also like. I, I've seen like some Zach bits of, bit off, you'd be just be like, yeah, right, yeah, man, just do yeah, it. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah, Zach could do it. Zach, fuck, Zach loves a pair of compression pants, he does, eh? doesn't he? Just every day, three, six, five. I mean, they can get away with it, though, can't yeah, they? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But I reckon the crop is sick. It's such a throwback to like the eighties, nineties, and like the pro athletes, they get around it. Like if DK Metcalf can, yeah. why can't a guy with thirty kilos of less lean muscle? <laughs> <laughs> Not as good maybe looking and as tall enough. Maybe we start the crop so Maybe we start the crop. Hey, 100%. 100%. Um, that's my thing. And then another question for you is, 
for someone listening who has started maybe a fashion or clothing label or is in the retail space or product space of any nature, what is one thing that you would say isn't necessary to spend your money on and is just a big waste and maybe a common misconception? Um, depending on the, depending on how big they are, I guess if they're just starting out, I think use use your contacts. You know, yeah. Um, don't be afraid to use people around you that um, are, say, in the industry that you're starting or are, you know able to help even if they're not in the industry they might just have a really good business mind of sense um it might give you ideas and that was one thing that i tried to like oh i'm just going to do this myself like try and stick away and the more you do that you more, the more you realize like you're missing so many opportunities to yeah um have help and like is that just if, dropping the ego a bit too like yeah 100 yeah yeah it's the, it's it's definitely the thing of like oh i've got this i've got this and then it's like well actually hang on like yeah. just wait like you know, there are people that can help you here. Like, yeah. instead of sitting on, you know, like, technology is not my forte. Like, I'm not great with, you know, um, Photoshop and stuff like that. So, you know, you get people to help you with that. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I'm always open to help people if they're wanting to start a clothing line and they want to start any sort of apparel stuff or even just if they want advice on, like, anything business-wise. Like, always happy to just have a chat. Always. Yeah, that's epic. DM's always open. That's epic. One more is what's one lesson that you've learned and what's one thing that's shaped your perspective or your mentality or may, may, maybe changed it just a little bit throughout this journey of owning your own brand? Um, like we spoke about before, I think that conception that like things will just take off yeah, and that people just see it as like even how you said about the following, like realistically the last month like that's just flown up like yeah from when we've you know used done the photo shoot when we've used influencers things like that and um i think just having the perspective that i it doesn't matter how many followers i have or or like the brand has or anything like that that we um still a small business at the end of the day and i don't want to get out of perspective with that and yeah i think even with the whole like budgeting side and that you have to think like that because if yeah. you think like that then you use your money in a smart way not just oh yeah use it here and there you're a bit of a spender or are you pretty tight with your own dollars uh i i put pretty well like yeah i like used all like pretty well savings to start this um, yeah that i'd done with the finance side and um before this and i'm not like i'll spend it in the areas i need to you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and where I see that there's actually gain for it. I think like if you just start spending money in areas that are like a bit of uh, risk, like there's yeah. some reward in there, but there's also a bit of... I even mean in personal life too, because one thing I've found oh, yeah. is like, you know, like I would have made over 100K last year if I just stayed in real estate. Obviously yeah. that wasn't my passion, so I walked away just before the money got good. Yeah. Smart timing, eh? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, but you know, for me, money's not the metric. It's not the North Star, sort of like purpose and no. happiness and doing what I love is. And I've found probably a lesson that I had to learn is you really need to adjust your spending habits to what your goals are. Oh, definitely. So I was having way too many brekkies out. Yeah just living too much of a comfortable lifestyle and not appreciating how much that money needed to last me whilst I grinded and hustled. And that's why times are a little bit stressful at the moment. Yeah. But hopefully with the sale of my asset, it relieves the stress and yeah. fingers crossed, shout out to my mum for, you know, steering the ship there on the sale. But, you know, she's a real estate agent, by the way, for anyone <laughs> that wants to know, just hit her up if you house. want to sell a house or buy a house. 
Um, but yeah, like I think it's so important to, you've got to be humble. You've got to humble yourself if you want to jump into this life of business ownership or small business or start a brand or start a platform or a show because you can't be living that life like you're making a stable wage. Oh, no, definitely. And like I said, I've just moved <coughs> up to um, the Sunshine Coast. And so, you know, living at home, is it's just, you need to put your money, like you can't just be going out, like you said, and just, you know, buying, buying brekkie lunch dinner every day. Like, yeah. You know, you sort of still need to enjoy yourself. Yeah, and that. balance, but, isn't it? Exactly. And I mean, when I look at it, like I can like afford to go out and have a brekkie or a lunch if I'm not going, like if, you know, a lot of people my age would be going out on a Saturday night spending yeah. a couple hundred dollars, you know? Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, for me, it's very much like, like we'll put it where I see, yes, enjoyment, but also like in a smart way to be able to live, you know, in a com- comfortably. Yeah. Yeah. In a perfect picture, where's Colossal Culture in five years' time? Well, it's on you. You're wearing it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> no, it's, um, yeah, Colossal is definitely, so it's not just on the online retail platform. Um, I'd love to have our own stores. I like um, that. Yeah. Bit of brick and mortar, eh? Yeah, yeah. And one thing I have learned about the store side, though, is it's very much an advertising marketing tool. Yep. Um, you Like, walk into Nike, you won't find most of their high-end or, like, their new stuff because they're just trying to sell the rest of the stuff they haven't sold online. Yeah. Um, but was, just a change room too, isn't it? Just to try on, fit on, yeah. buy the colour or the size you want online. Yeah, well, if you notice, like, you walk into a lot of um, shopping centres that walk down the escalators, generally it's a Nike. Yeah. Or, like, a, you know, bigger sort of company. Yeah, a JB Hi-Fi. Exactly. They're great at that. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be seen, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, I think as well as that, I'd like to be on other platforms, um in terms of other, you know, selling with other companies as well. Yeah, cool. Um, Bit of collaboration. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I think, like, I even saw um, with Earl's, they did things like G-Shock and that. Yeah. I wouldn't personally come out and do watches myself. Yeah. But if you collabed with someone, that could be something really cool to do. Um, So, yeah, definitely just little collaborations like that, working with athletes. I think a lot of athletes get left behind um, in terms of sponsorships. Like, obviously, the big... Um, the big sports get plenty of money in that, but I'd love to support people that, or athletes that are, you know, potentially doing it a little bit tough. Um, but I mean, like I'm from the cycling background, like I've got a few, like I've got a few mates who are, you know, going to the Olympics this year and they're working as a pizza delivery driver. You know what I mean? Insane, right? Insane. And you're just like, those sort of people, like, they're training just as hard. They're working just as hard as all these other people. And yeah, it's the sport. It's the advertising, yeah, you know. Definitely. So, yeah. Definitely. Well, hey, if you've been listening to this, get around the CC, Colossal Culture. I want to make sure that everyone listening not only goes and follows and buys from the brand and supports it. And, you know, even like I say this all the time, you don't have to buy or spend money with someone to support them. Like share it around to your family and friends, like yeah, follow them on definitely. social, share their stuff. Get around the comments, like just be supportive. It's you know, it's a huge help when you're starting something from the ground up. Where do people find you on socials? Uh, so on Instagram, it's colossal.culture, um, Facebook, and then our um, websites and our links are in our bios. Um, the other thing with it as well is, I really personally just I like because I'm in the actual, uh, I'm looking at the company every day, and I've got people around me that are looking at the company every day. If you see something 
from our side that you're like, oh, like this would be cool to see or this would be like from us or anything, just message us, let us know. And, you know, we're, we're definitely open to listening to everyone and getting everyone involved. I love it. I love it. I'm going to make sure that all those social tags, the website, everything is in the show description. If you've listened and you loved it, let's be honest, you did. You all love the experience, bit of arrogance there, but it's needed, it's necessary because we want to take this show to the next level. You know, I call out the guy that we're calling American Driver now, aka Joe Rogan. Um, the experience here down under is coming for you. Why? Because we love you. We're about everything you're doing. And I love seeing people who are super successful on the global scale. I'm chasing after them. I'm following in their footsteps and hopefully creating some really positive messaging and sharing some great stories for you all to be entertained by educated by and inspired to go and do amazing things in your life so if you love the show obviously subscribe share it around with family and friends that means a whole lot and, and goes a whole long way um, in helping the show grow to the next stage but also leave those five star ratings and reviews on apple podcast app and comment on youtube do all that good stuff thank you so much for listening to what will be episode 78 of the show or no episode 79 i think which is super exciting. One of the two. Um, <laughs> regardless, get around it. Mitch, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, mate. Thanks Cheers, brother. Take it easy.